The reading today uh, is uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 32 to 43. As Peter travelled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralysed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became ill and died and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This is God's word. Thanks very much, Judith, for reading the passage to us. Hi everyone, let me have my welcome to Pete. Great to see you here as we continue this sermon series in the book of Acts that Pete said we're calling Empowered for Mission. Now, in my experience, it's easy to get stuck in a rut when it comes to uh, being on a mission together, um, when it's stuck in a rut when it comes to telling others about Jesus. It could be that you have been praying for years for a mum, a dad, a friend, a colleague to come to know Jesus, but there's been seemingly no answer to prayer, no result, uh, no interest uh, at all. Um, despite all these prayers over many years, it seems this person's still asking you the same questions, you're still going around the same issues, and you're wondering, you know, what is going on and, you know, why do you bother keep praying? Could be you're inviting people. It's another year, it's another event, it's another carol service, but it's still the same response. No way, no thanks. Are you still trying to get me to come along to one of these Christian events? They just don't care. And you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, aren't we empowered for mission? Where is that power? Could be you're finding it harder to be a Christian in the office, harder to stand up for Jesus. There's increasing pressure to keep quiet about your faith. You look at culture as a whole, you think it's moving further away from the teaching of Jesus. Things seem to be getting worse, not better. And so you're sort of slightly losing hope when it comes to mission. What is the point 
And I keep praying, I keep inviting, I'm trying to talk about Jesus, but I know already what the result's going to be. It's just, no, 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 no. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever get stuck in a rut when it comes to mission? Ever think it's not worth it? Ever think it's not working? Well, look, come to this this passage with me uh, now. Because here is a passage really to encourage us with the power of the Lord Jesus at work today. You'll have heard, as the reading was read out to you, two people's lives transformed in an instant. And as a result, whole towns, Lydda, Sharon, Joppa, a whole load of people turn to Jesus Christ. That is what he can do, just like that, in just an instant. And he wants to encourage you with that, if you're a follower of Jesus, to know that, to know his power at work in this world. And if you're someone looking into Christian things, here is a passage to encourage you that Jesus Christ is not dead, he's alive, he's not distant, he is right here, and he can turn your life and anybody else's life around just like that. So let's see that now from the verses. The first thing to see is that Jesus Christ really is powerfully at work today. Even though he died, he rose, he's here, he's at work. We can see this explicitly in verse 34. When Peter says to this guy, Aeneas, Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. This is not something I am doing, I, Peter, am doing. This is something that Jesus Christ is doing. Jesus is healing you. Even though he's no longer here on earth, he's in heaven. He's still powerfully at work. And of course, this is something only Jesus Christ can do to heal someone so miraculously like this. As we're hearing in the prayers, this week we've just celebrated 70 years of the NHS, the National Health Service, which many people are calling Britain's greatest institution. Praise God for all the lives saved. Praise God for all the illnesses cured. Some of you know that when our first child, Theo, when Joe was in labour, um, it's no exaggeration to say that he almost died and she almost died. And if it wasn't for the quick thinking of one NHS doctor, just speedy decision-making, correct decision-making, you know, they wouldn't have survived. So I will never have a bad word ever said about the NHS. I praise God for them. But in 70 years of the NHS, they have never seen anything like this. When someone paralysed, when someone bedridden for eight years suddenly has his legs recreated and can get up and no doubt sort of was jumping for joy. Can you imagine eight years of being bedridden? and how withered his legs must have been, and the muscle atrophy, and suddenly, just like that, two words, get up, and he rolls up his mat and walks out. Jesus Christ, healing this man, showing he is still powerfully at work today. Do you notice any similarity about these two miracles? The healing of the paralytic, or a paralytic, and the raising of a dead woman, a dead person. Does that remind you of anyone? Back in Luke's Gospel, Luke, the same author who wrote Acts, this is Luke's Gospel, his first volume, we read this in chapter 5 about Jesus while he was on earth. Jesus said to the paralysed man, separate incident, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. 
Chapter 8 of Luke's Gospel, verse 54, Jesus, separate incident, took the dead girl by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Now you can see the similarities. Jesus Christ may no longer be with us on earth, but he is still with us from heaven with the same power at work, these same miracles, the healing of a paralytic, the raising of a dead person. He really is at work still today. Now, some of you might uh, you know, say, well, look, these miracles, maybe if you're coming, I don't know, looking into Christian things, or maybe as a Christian, you read it and you just think, really, can we believe these things today, these miracles, what's happened here? Did this really happen? Which is impossible, isn't it? Surely these things didn't happen. I mean, no ordinary person could do this. And in one sense, you know, that's true, and that's the point of the passage. No ordinary person can do this, but Jesus didn't claim to be an ordinary person. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the creator of everything. Everything in the universe. Every part of the human body. If he's the creator of everything, it's pretty easy for him to recreate a pair of legs. If he is the author of every human life, then to raise one life back from the dead, that's child's play for him. Now, I'm conscious one or two here might say, well, Jesus wasn't the son of God, and miracles, this miracles couldn't have happened because there is no God. How do you know for sure there is no God? Are you truly sure there is no God at all? Are you sure that really everything that you see in this universe, human life, love, truth, beauty, everything, has really just magically appeared out of nothing billions of years ago? Because in the person of Jesus Christ, we have someone who in his perfect life, in his world-changing teaching, in his sacrificial death for the sins of the world, and in his resurrection from the dead, has given ample proof that he is no ordinary person. He is God incarnate. He is God as a human being. And these miracles did really happen, and he really is alive, and he's not distant, he's here, and he's still powerfully at work in his world today. That's the first thing for us to see from these verses. Now, at this point, you know, some of us might say, well, look, if Jesus Christ is powerfully at work today, why don't we see these sort of miracles here today? Why don't we hear paralytics getting up and walking? Why don't we see the dead being raised? Important question. And important for us to see, therefore, in the book of Acts, how miracles point to Jesus's salvation. They point to a deeper reality. The reason for the miracles, the purpose of the miracles, is to be a sign of Jesus's saving work. Let me just show you that from some verses in the book of Acts. Okay, chapter 2, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That's what Acts call them, wonders and signs, signs and wonders. Chapter 4, verse 30. Lord, stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Chapter 6, verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Do you see, in the book of Acts, miracles are not called miracles, they are called signs. 
signs and wonders. Why are they called signs? Because they point to something else. What does the healing of the paralytic point to then? Well, what did Jesus himself say when he was on earth healing the paralytic himself? He said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or get up, take up your mat and walk, but that you know that I, the Son of Man, have authority to forgive sins, I say to you, to the paralytic, get up, take up your mat and walk. In other words, the healings here, the miracles here, particularly the healing of the, of the, of the paralyzed man, the paralytic here, is a sign pointing to Jesus' forgiveness of sins. His authority to forgive sins. An authority that continues now from heaven. And an authority that is not just to forgive the sins of the Jewish people, but absolutely everyone. We are in a movement in the book of Acts. We've been seeing the gospel, do you remember, spreading from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And we're getting to a really crucial point here where it is moving out towards Gentile territory. Lydda, Joppa, Sharon. What's going to happen in chapter 10? What's the big lesson Peter's going to learn with Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Gentile? God's gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. Jesus' authority to forgive sins for all people, Jew, Gentile, you, me, whoever you are, whatever you've done, a sign of Jesus' salvation for all people. So that's the sign element, but please don't miss the wonder of this miracle. They're called signs and wonders. What is the nature of Jesus' salvation? Forgiveness of sin, but also, my goodness, no more sickness. No more death. Think of anything that spoils this world, and Jesus has the power to deal with it. The power to cure any sickness. The power to defeat death. The power to bring in the sort of world that we all long for. In his biography of Steve Jobs, Walter Isaacson recalls a time near the end of Steve Jobs' life when he himself was reflecting on death. I want to read a little extract from the book. One sunny afternoon, when Steve wasn't feeling well, he sat in the garden behind his house and reflected on death. He talked about his experiences in India almost four decades earlier, his study of Buddhism, and his views on reincarnation and spiritual transcendence. I'm about 50-50 on believing in God, he said. For most of my life, I felt that there must be more to our existence than meets the eye. He admitted that as he faced death, he might be overestimating the odds out of a desire to believe in an afterlife. I like to think that something survives after you die, he said. It's strange to think that you accumulate all this experience and maybe a little a wisdom and it just goes away. So I really want to believe that something survives. Now don't we all? Don't we all believe that something will survive, that death is not the end, that there is such thing as an afterlife? But it's not much hope, you know, just that something survives. The wonder of this passage, the wonder of this miracle, the wonder of Jesus Christ is look what survives, not just wisdom, not just consciousness, just, just a little bit, our whole bodies, our whole lives, this world perfectly renewed. and to have the world that we always long for. These miracles are signs which point to Jesus' saving work. There is forgiveness of sin now, and one day everything that spoils this world will be gone. Does God miraculously heal today? Yes. Can he? Of course he can. He's God. He can do whatever he pleases. But has God promised to heal you miraculously? 
if you just have enough faith? Absolutely not. That is not the purpose of these miracles. Okay, only Aeneas is saved, healed. Only Dorcas is raised from the dead. No one else is. Why is that? Because miraculous healing in this life is only temporary, but Jesus' saving work is permanent. Aeneas' legs will grow old again, Dorcas will die again, but trusting in Jesus Christ gives forgiveness of sins now and a perfect world and perfect body and perfect life after death to come. Please do not let anyone tell you that you are lacking faith if you are sick and you are not being healed. That is not the point of these miracles. They are signs of Jesus' saving work. They are signs of his forgiveness of sins now and every spiritual blessing now and one day every physical blessing to come. It's coming, just not now. That's the second thing for us to see. Jesus powerfully at work today through signs of salvation, offering salvation to all. Thirdly and finally from these verses, he is drawing people uh, to himself. Look what happens in verse 35 after Jesus heals Aeneas. Verse 35. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. They turned to the Lord. They turned to Jesus for salvation. They didn't turn to him to be healed. They knew what the sign meant. They saw what the sign was pointing to. Forgiveness of sins now. A perfect world to come. They turned to him. They wanted a part of that. They wanted to know this Jesus, know his love, know his forgiveness, be a part of this future. That phrase, by the way, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon, could mean that literally every single person in the town turned to the Lord, or maybe more probably it means all kinds of people turned to him, whether it's young, old, whether it's men, women, whether it's Jew, Gentile, given the context of Acts. Either way... It is an incredible amount of people who are turning to the Lord just like that in an instant. And notice as well what happens after Dorcas is raised from the dead. This time it's verse 42. This became known, this raising of Dorcas, became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. We see it again. Many people turning to Jesus Christ. They don't turn to Peter because they know the one who is behind this miracle. They know the one who has the authority to forgive sins. They know the one who has the power to heal all sicknesses one day and defeat death and to get rid of everything that spoils this world. So they turn to him, they believe in him, in Jesus Christ. And so can we see here from this little section at the end of chapter 9, the, the power of Jesus Christ at work today at the time of Acts after his death, but it continues today as he draws people to himself and as he continues to build the church and it increases in number. Last week in chapter 9, we saw probably the one person you'd at least expect to become a Christian, become a Christian. Saul, the arch-persecutor of the church. And the Lord just converts him in an instant, just like that. And the church couldn't believe it. People couldn't believe it until they saw the persecution he was facing and the message he was preaching. One moment he's breathing out murderous threats. Next moment he's preaching Christ crucified. How on earth does that happen? That is the power of the Lord. And now in this week's section, right afterwards, it's not just an individual who's incredibly hostile to the gospel that gets converted by the Lord. It's whole towns 
Lida, Sharon, Joppa. This is the power of the Lord at work, back then, after he's died, and still at work today. A week before uh, Friday, not just gone, uh, 10 days ago, I took the funeral of my grandma. She was 95 years old. I had tried to talk to her about Jesus uh, many a time, probably often not always in the best of ways, um, but she wasn't really interested. Um, I think she had some pretty bad experiences um, of church growing up, and so understandably um, was put off by the Christian message. She said, look, Mark, I'm a pretty good person, and I know that's going to be good enough for God. My dad, her eldest son, had prayed for her for years and had tried to talk to her about the need for forgiveness of sins. That it doesn't matter how good you are, you can never be good enough for God because God's perfect, he's perfectly holy, none of us can be. That's why Jesus came, to save us, to die for us, to forgive us, and to have his righteousness given to you. She didn't care, she wasn't listening uh, at all, despite all these prayers, despite all these conversations. I got a call a couple of weeks ago saying she was now in end-of-life care. And so I, I went up to see her. Um, and, well, I mean, she was a shadow of the woman she once was. She was very weak. She was very frail. She was lying in bed. She could barely move. Her skin was jaundiced from probable li liver failure. She was blind in one eye. Um, she hadn't been eating for the last few days. Um, she was barely drinking fluids. Um, dementia had set in at 92, so three years of dementia. You can imagine she was forgetting everything. She didn't recognise me. And my dad had warned me that she was very unresponsive. He can't remember a, like a normal conversation he'd had in the last few weeks, sort of semi-comatose, you know, in this deep sleep. So what do you do? I mean, I read Psalm 23 to her. The, the nurses there told me that you never know what they, they could be hearing. Psalm 23, the Lord being with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I read out John 11, you know, the hope that Jesus gives that whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. But there was no response from Grandma at all. Didn't even move, you know, in, the, in her semi-comatose state. So Dad and I went to get some dinner, and then I, I came back um, to, to say my last goodbye to Grandma. And at that point, she suddenly became really alert and very responsive. And it was a real shock to myself and my dad. My dad had been there a lot, so I hadn't seen anything like this. And she kept saying this thing over and over. I mean, with all her energy, even though she didn't have much energy, because she wasn't eating and frail and, and hadn't been drinking much. I can't say that. I don't understand that. We couldn't hear what she was saying. I had to turn the radio down. I literally put my ear to her lips. I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. Grandma, are you saying you don't understand what I'm saying? And a firm nod of the head from Grandma. What, you're not, you don't understand what I'm saying about the Bible? A firm nod of the head from Grandma. I said, oh, look, I, I went as slowly as I could from John 11. I said, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. Do you believe that, Grandma? and a firm nod of the head. And before I could ask again and answer another question, she was back in her deep sleep and back in a semi-comatose state. Now, was that a miracle? I don't know. Was that the Lord giving Grandma one last burst of energy to understand what I was saying? I don't know. But it's absolutely remarkable that Grandma responded like that, given the states that she was in, and to give this firm profession of faith in Jesus Christ after 95 years of wanting nothing to do with it. The amount of times we prayed, and I was beginning to think, what's the point? The amount of times we tried to talk to her about Jesus and thought she's just not getting it. 95, about to die, end of life care. It's too late for her. My dad had just said to me before dinner, I've never seen her say anything, you know, in a prof prof profession of faith, any outward thing. And then we get, get that, and she does that. It is quite remarkable.
to see the power of the Lord at work, who can change a person's life for eternity in an instant. And I want to encourage you from the passage, not just that story, that he is alive and he's at work today. So if you feel stuck in, the, in, a, in a rut with your mission right now, and you're thinking, my goodness, I've been praying for my mum, my dad, that friend, that colleague for years and years and years, and there's nothing. And what's the point anymore? There is a point because Jesus is alive. And he is here. And he's powerfully at work. And he can change that person's life just like that. Be encouraged in mission. Keep going in mission. Don't give up. Keep praying for those people. Keep inviting them. Keep trying to tell them about Jesus in gracious, winsome, loving ways. Jesus has the power to turn around the whole city of London, should he wish. He is that powerful. Be expectant. Don't give up. Let's continue in this great mission of the church that he has given us to this great city of London. As you remember, he is powerfully at work, offering salvation to everyone. There's no one beyond his reach. And as he is drawing people to himself. Let's keep going in it. Let me pray that for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you very much for these two miracles. Um, which clearly you chose to do from heaven through your apostle Peter to make this point again as you did on earth, that you have authority on earth to forgive sins. And you have the power and authority to one day cure all sicknesses, to rid death completely, and to remove anything and everything that spoils your world and make it right again. Please, would we never underestimate your power at work in our lives or in the lives of others, the way you can turn any of them around just like that in an instance, like you did on earth, like you did here, like you continue to do today. And so for any of us here, Father, a little bit worn down in mission, a bit stuck in a rut thinking, what is the point? Why bother? Please, Father, from these verses, encourage us to keep praying, keep inviting, keep telling others about Jesus and see you powerfully at work today in our own lives, in our own context. And we ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.